here. I am sitting in um, a uh, bedroom in Connecticut, so that's why I've got this lovely Laura Ashley kind of wallpaper behind me. And um, I am here with Coach Jen Harrison, who is the coach of our Heart and Soul programs, the Return to Running, Learning to Run by Heart Rate, and then the 10K Half and Full Marathon programs. And you guys are in it in it to win it. And so we're coming into race season. So we wanted to take a minute here to uh, to chat with you all and answer your individual questions. And and my guess is that something that you hear might resonate, even if it's not your question, it may resonate with you um, just as far as strategy or mentality or fueling or whatever it happens to be. So how you doing, Jen, out there? You're, you're coming to the end of race season, huh? End of triathlon yeah. race season, I should say. Triathlon season, yes, kind of, yeah, yeah kind of, but yes. Yes, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. Um, yeah. yeah, just kind of humming along. This is, this is the busy time, right? So everybody's kind of yes. culmination of everybody's season is kind of September and October, uh, a little yes. bit into November. So it's, it's a busy, but in a really good way. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so how are overall, I mean, again, like I know you, you coach a bunch of individual athletes and I know you coach a lot of triathletes. But runners, how, you know, it's, it's the um, end of September, so marathon season hasn't quite started yet, but it, just talk a little bit about the lay of the land and how it's going out there with COVID and any, any observations your athletes have had or you yourself have had. Yeah, well, I'm based in Chicago, so, you know, yeah. the sun and moon and stars set on the Chicago Marathon out here, um, which is full steam ahead. Um, you know, it's funny, and I think other people would feel the same way. There's some areas that you know like we can't do anything in Chicago without a mask on but we're going to host 50,000 people to run so you know it's it's kind of it's awkward and it's weird but at the same time I'm just rolling with it I just wear a mask when I need to wear a mask and then running with 40,000 I'm not racing but running with 40,000 of my best friends and and I think it's okay I don't and I also think that we've all figured out how to personally navigate COVID that makes us all comfortable in our own skin and I think that Agreed. that's what's important and whatever, what works for Kate or Karen or, or, you know, me or you is not, might not be the same. And that doesn't matter as long as we're being, you know, careful, I think it's okay. And I think race directors are desperately because I help tons of race directors in this community with races and sponsor them. You know, we're just trying to do our best with the safety precautions that we can. And, and if people are not comfortable, then they can choose on their own not to do it. Otherwise, you know, full steam ahead and be safe and, you know, let's do this. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. I'm with you. So, um, so like I said, I have a bunch of questions. It's mostly the marathoners who have questions, but if you're here and you're not a marathoner, that doesn't mean that we don't want to hear from you. You can put a question in the chat button at any time or the chat box. You can also, um, you know, ask for more explanation or whatever. So, um, so as we start to dive in, if you want to know more or you have a corollary question, don't be shy. Okay. So we're going to start with, um, our, only half marathon question, um, which is uh, from Heather. She says, I have a race this Saturday, which as we are talking is four days away. And my throat right now is pretty sore. I have some congestion and it hurts to swallow. Um, I feel a bit tired, but other than that, no other symptoms. Am I okay to run a half marathon? She said, I'm not shooting for a PR um, at this race. It's more for fun, but you know, kind of that here nor there, um, not like she's totally over the edge sick, but she's definitely not just have the sniffles. What do you do with an sure. athlete like that, Jen? Yeah, you know, what I would advise Heather to do is, is uh, right now, I would say rest, you know, take a couple, take two days probably off, rest, hydrate, you know, load up on the vitamin C, do all the good stuff and see how you feel. If you get 
worse. And it turns into a chest, head, fever, no racing. If it, okay. you can maintain, if you can maintain just, I don't mean just, but just a sore throat, you know, that's just your body's way of saying, listen, you're run down, you need to step back and relax. So I think she can monitor these last couple of days and get yeah. on top of that. And if it doesn't get worse, yes. I would race. If it gets worse, okay. I would rest. Okay, perfect. I like it. Um, okay, so we're going into the marathon questions and I'm just gonna go in the order that they are posted. So if they feel a little out of order, that's why they don't quite go flow seamlessly from one to the next. Um, so Heather, again, is running by heart rate. She's got her individualized zones. She says, my biggest struggle is not going out slow enough. I convince myself I feel good um, and I can go faster and then I burn myself out. So tips for controlling those inner demons that trick you out of your negative split um, race plan. So true. God, you'd think that you would learn at this point. Like, I mean, do you still feel that way, Jen, where you're just yes. like, oh, I can, I mean, damn yes. that, that happens, right? I mean, I, I know, just, I you know, I just, I'm coming off of an Ironman where, yeah. you know, I was running. It, the problem is the heart rate will trick you too the longer you go sometimes because it's, it's sluggish or whatever. But in an open marathon, here's the thing in an open marathon versus an Ironman marathon, which we're not talking about. In an open marathon, you almost, you almost don't have an excuse not to follow your heart rate because it's, it's, it's not under fatigue or stress from anything else. Now, your heart rate is going to be higher at the start of a race than you're used to because of your anxiousness and your anxiety, and that's okay. But for the first 10K of a marathon, you need to pay attention to your heart rate and keep that heart rate in check, making sure that that heart rate does not go into zone four. That's, that's kind of the danger zone in a marathon. You almost can't come back from something like that. Now, if you're an experienced marathoner, you can, or if it happens to be 30 or 40 degrees outside, there's a lot more wiggle room with the heart rate. But recently we've had hot weather and you never know, and hot in a marathon. So women run the best and they run PRs when the temperature is about 49 degrees Fahrenheit. Men is about 50, 51 Fahrenheit. So anything varying from those temperatures, you have to adjust expectations. Now, keeping in mind that if it's 55 and we've been running all summer in 90, you're going to run pretty darn fast because it's, it's such a change where you've been running. But in general, those are the rules. People can run really fast. I run the fastest Houston marathon when we started, it was 36. So you can run really fast outside of that, but you just need to make sure your expectations meet those temperatures. And back to the heart rate question, the heart rate will be high to start, but you've got to pay attention to that don't pay attention to your pace because the pace is going to, so let's say your pace is a nine minute mile for the marathon. That first 5k, you're going to feel like you're, you can run eight minute miles. And you're going to feel like you're jogging and, and you're going to feel like, God, this is great. I'm going to PR feel awesome. Well, yeah, you should feel awesome because you're rested and fully tapered and your glycogen levels and your carb levels should be are high. So you're going to feel like a million dollars because it's all perfect world coming together. That perfect world stops pretty quickly at about mile 18. So make sure that you follow your heart rate and get it down and jog, you know, jog to get that heart rate down. And then you can kind of go up from there, breaking up the marathon. Nice, nice. Um, well, and this is a corollary question here. Um, well, and that, um, is, uh, one of, uh, Karen's asking, no matter how slowly I start, my heart rate spikes up to zone three or four, about five to 10 minutes in, 
it seems to take a while to come down. So she is hitting that zone four sometimes, um, you know, take sometimes 15 minutes to come down. Um, I do a dynamic warm up. Should I just do a walk warm up on race day? I think my heart rate might start out higher from nerves and excitement. So again, just talk through, um, first of all, you know, talk about what Karen should do specifically, but then also just talk through those first few miles about how you really have to, you know, slow your roll and, and, and not let your brain get the better of you. Right. Right. And it is, sometimes I'll see heart rate spikes on data initially. Sometimes it's just the, the, if you use a chest strap, the chest strap kind of engaging and it's dry, kind of have to lick it or make sure that's effective. Sometimes I'll see that where you see these blips and then it settles in because you start sweating. And so then the contact is better, but okay. But back to, you know, her question where maybe it's high to start with just because of race anxiety and stress and, and excitement, right? Um, that heart rate, yeah, you, here's the thing. You, when you're doing a race, don't live and die on one piece of data. Don't, you know, I'm a huge heart rate fan and I'm a huge pace fan, but at the end of the day, you also have to marry your intuition and your feelings into this race. So it can be clouded by what we talked about earlier, the taper, the glycogen storages are perfect, you know, so it's a little bit, you know, kind of cloudy because of that. So yeah, you want to pay attention to output and heart rate, but also don't be checking it crazy person all the time either. Let it flow. If the heart rate's high for one minute, that's okay. It's not going to ruin your race. Just check it and assess what's going on. How do I feel? Do I feel anxious? And is my breathing under control? Breathing is the number one way to tell, aside from data. It's the number one way to tell how you're racing. Is your breathing off? Are you kind of panting? Are you breathing too hard? Those are kind of red flags to say, okay, I need to slow it down um, in a marathon. You know, we're not talking about a 5K where you should be, have erratic breathing. So, you know, you just need to do some personal cues with yourself when you see the heart rate that high. And you, I think what's really important too, is we have to make sure our egos don't get in the way. You know, our ego wants to run a nine minute mile or a 13 minute mile. And, you know, the first 5k of the marathon, I have to be honest with you, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you can, sure. if your goal is a 13 minute mile, you can jog 14 minute miles for your first 5k. It, all that matters is that how that last 10k or last 12k is going to is kind of unfold for you. Okay. Well, and so that's a good lead into um, Alana's question, um, which is, uh, let's see here. Um, can you talk about consistently, especially as it relates to marathon pacing? I am so inconsistent when it comes to pace. I tried executing race strategy yesterday in my 70 minute run, and I was constantly slowing down and speeding up to try to stay in my pace zones. Is there a way to do this better? Um, the execution, if you only look at the averages, was spot on. But I looked at my watch every few seconds and adjusted up or down. So, I mean, that New York City taxi cab feeling, right? We all have it. You're like, slow, fast, slow, fast, slow, fast, right? And that's not what you were just talking about, Jen. Intuition and allowing yourself to not be driven necessarily by your wrist for every step, right? That's right. And, and remember, too, if you're running a big city, and a lot, I don't think, I'm not sure if this even relates to you, but, but. I'll get to that. She's in running in Fargo. I'll tell you. It's oh, in Fargo, Fargo, North Dakota. So it's not, it's not a, the it's not a doesn't apply. But, the, but some <laughs> of these big time, you know, these big Chicago, New York races, the GPS doesn't, the Garmin doesn't pick up. 
And so it's just crap yeah. after reading crap. You know, I'll never forget that when I did Chicago or Houston or something. And I'm like, oh my God. And, you know, so you just turn it. I mean, obviously, I mean, you can't turn it off, but to keep things in perspective, it's almost like a bike computer. So when we have a bike computer, we put the bike computer on for 10 second average. So if you can do something where you see an average pace, that is a much better way to manage this. Now, if you're if idea. you're starting the race and you're feeling great and you're and everything's going smoothly, well, then you can keep it on your consistent pace. But my recommendation is is to put it on an average roll, so that you know, so that let's say you have a seven minute mile and an eight minute mile, and your goal is seven thirty. Well, okay, we're that's a seven thirty average. So look at it from an average standpoint instead of every single step because it'll stress you out. Okay. And, um, and let's talk a little bit through the marathon, like the chunks of the marathon and where you, where, if people are interested in pushing themselves and not, and um, instead of, you know, getting their first marathon finish or, you know, going and running for joy or with a friend or whatever they happen to have their reason to be out there for that day, um, kind of pacing themselves. At what point do you say, okay, I'm ready to, to see what I can do in the marathon? And kind of okay. just talk through, I guess, how you, how you would, how you would race a marathon, Jen, because we know you all, you don't, you don't run anything for not racing, right? I did race marathons. I, I'm not quite sure I, I need to do another marathon. Sometimes you got to get out while going's good. But anyway, um, <laughs> when I raced marathons um, and I was going after time goals, I remember the best advice my coach gave me at the time. And I used to this day was get to mile 13.1, ready to go. Okay. You know, and it's funny because I say the same thing to an Ironman marathoner, get to mile 18 and then you can go because it's a long day, 10 hours or whatever. So with the marathon, open marathon, get to halfway without being completely battered and bruised. If you get to 13 battered and bruised, you know, you went out too fast, but your race is not lost. Just reassess, reevaluate and set realistic expectations. And if you, and so that's the, the key is to get to 13. It's not like you're going to feel good. Like, oh, this is, yeah. oh, this is easy, but not <laughs> completely shattered. Okay. So yeah. I don't, so that's key. So how you do that, the two biggest things in the marathon, the first 10 K has to be under control. So let's say your goal is a 10 minute mile. You, ha- you have a range of, remember you want a 10 mile, 10 minute mile over a marathon over 26 miles. So you don't want to come in at 945 going, okay, I did that really well. No, not really. You overran it and your heart rate was probably too high. So now we're going to pay for that on the last half of this last 10 miles or eight miles of the marathon. So your first 10 K, if your 10 minute mile goal average, you need to be between 10 or 1030 or something like that. It's really, really hard to do this. And when people say, oh, negative split the marathon. Mm. No, maybe if you're really, really good, you can negative split the marathon, but not too many people can do that. Let's, I mean, let me just call a spade a spade. It's really hard. It's really hard. So my advice on that is don't worry about that. Our job is to reduce the slowdown. Whoever wins in your definition of win, I don't mean win the race. Whoever wins can reduce the slowdown uh, the least amount or the most. You know, like they're sure. not, they're slowing down the least. A minimal amount. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whoever, whoever wins the slowdown wins. Yeah. yeah. And the second biggest thing with the marathon and pacing is that after mile, and this is this varies, but let's just call, you know, because it depends on how fast your pace is. So this mile is just a, an arbitrary mile, but I'm just going to say mile 16, you know, you know, two, three hours into the event or two and a half hours into the event. You think your, your output is that 10 minute mile, but because we're so tired and because our bodies are tired from pushing that 10 minute mile is actually a 1030. So you have to put more effort into your, your pace in order to get the pace that you want. And that, that changes every, basically every 10 K of this marathon. So you have, you have, uh, six times four, 24. So you have four 10 Ks and then the last couple of miles. And so if you break it up into 10 Ks, the first 10 K is under control and easy. And right there's, that will set up the success of your day. And then the two middle 10 Ks are at pace. Okay. Your goal pace, goal effort, goal heart rate. And the last 10 K is, is pretty much mind over matter and, and gutting it out. Um, and knowing that it's going to hurt really, really bad and, and having the tools in your toolbox, the mental tools in your toolbox to push through that pain and telling your legs to shut up, making sure your hydration and nutrition is on. That's kind of when the rubber meets the road. All right. We're going to dive into the mental toolbox in a second. Um, one thing before we get to the next question, I want to let you guys know, um, I think it, I think it comes to you in an email, like pacing strategies, your best, you know, kind of um, Liz and Jen talking you through kind of the steps for the half marathon and the marathon. Um, I know it is not up in the website right now because of um, just how our website uh, transfer worked, but I'm going to get them up this week. So it'll be under a little slot in your, on your AMR page, under your accounts, under your heart and soul program, they'll say running resources and they'll have a packing list. It'll have their pacing strategies, their race strategies. Um, so look for that um, uh, this week and uh, I'll be sure to get it up. Um, okay, so let's go back. You said fueling and hyd hydrating. Um, and Anna wanted to know, um, can you just remind us how much fuel and how often, um, as well as electrolytes and sodium um, for people that are racing, you know, September, well, I don't know if it changes with the weather, but September, October, early November. Sure. So the fueling requirements for a marathon, and this varies with everybody. So remember, there's no hard, fast rule, there's ranges. And you have to experiment within those ranges based on if you weigh 100 pounds or you weigh 200 pounds, you just, it's, it's athlete specific. So we aim to be about 200 calories an hour, or you can break it up in carb grams because registered dietitians prefer to work in carb grams. And so they'll say between about 40 or 60 grams of carbs an hour. So you can kind of work within those ranges. Um, and that can be in any format that makes you happy. It's easier to do a semi-solid and a semi-solid is a gel. Uh, it's much easier to do that, especially if you're racing the marathon. I mean, I've never been able to chew and race a marathon, but if you're not... <laughs> Never. And I still have an environment I can't chew, but you know, yeah, but different goals and different things. So if you can chew and you like cliff shots or blocks or sandwiches or bananas, then that's fine. You, you, you eat what works best for you. We don't care how you get your fuel food in, just get in within that range, somewhere in that range. And then from a fluid standpoint, ideally 20 to 24 ounces an hour of fluids. 
and preferably a sports drink of some kind and supplementing with water if hot, if hot. So how you would do that is if it's hot out and hot in a marathon, unfortunately, is anything over but basically 65, uh, give or take. So depending on what your climate is, if you're from Florida, that's a, that's a different needle. But from people in the East Coast, West Coast and Midwest, anything over 65 is hot for a marathon. So I would start with, um, uh, you know, either a race belt or handheld, something like that, especially if you're in a remote marathon and they don't have aid stations. If you are doing a Chicago, New York, something like that, where they have aid stations every mile, you don't need to probably carry anything. You'll probably be sufficient. But if you're not in a well-supported um, one, I would, I would make sure you carry that, especially if it's hot. And then um, the reason I say sports drink is because I'm interested in the electrolytes um, and calories too depending on, so you add up how many calories are in your drink and how much you think you're going to get in. You know, they give you those little cups that are three or four ounces. How much do we really get in, in a marathon? Well, you got to kind of figure it out. It's probably three or four ounces at best shot in each one of those drinks. And I would practice that in training. So I used to practice, I buy the little solo cup, not the, not the, the ones that, you know, that you can go like this in practice that yeah. set up a loop in your neighborhood, put it on your end of your street. Your neighbors will think you're crazy. And we are. And then run around <laughs> and just practice, just practice on one of your shorter runs, running or walking, whatever your goal is, it doesn't matter running or walking and, and getting those calories in and how much can you get in realistically? Um, yeah. And then sure. with this, yeah. And with salt, the salt is always a little bit tricky too, because in a perfect world, we kind of would know our salt rate or sweat test, sweat rate, but about 500 to a thousand milligrams of salt an hour, which I know you guys are thinking, God, that's a lot. Um, not really, not probably because, you know, in a gel there's, you know, there might be 50 or 60 grams and then you're going to have your sports drink. So you just, you know, unless you're in Hawaii, you probably don't need a thousand, but I, I regularly take six, 750 on mine uh, an hour for me. You take 750 an hour? Mm-hmm. Unless it's hot, unless wow. I'm in Hawaii or something. In Kona, we, I took okay. over 200 milligrams an hour, but well, cause wow. you're running the marathon at three o'clock in the afternoon, but you know, you just need to, you just need to pay attention to heat. And if you're, so if you have white stuff on your clothes, when you're done working out, you're a heavy sweater. And most of this applies to kind of bigger, you know, kind of burly men. So, but anyway, just a good range. Start putting, make sure you have some salt in your, in your uh, nutrition. Nutrition. Well, and so Margaret's asking, um, so, so what do you do, Jen? Because Margaret's running the half marathon and she, she has a hard time eating when she's pushing her pace. So how, how should she fuel when she's running at race pace? She doesn't even, you know, gels are even hard for her to get down that semi-solid you were talking about sure she's going to have to if her goal if her goal is to finish she could probably just choke down some Gatorade or whatever they have on course and and some water and kind of get through it but if your goal is to perform you know you've time goals or whatever it is then you have to figure out something that works for you something will always work for everybody and you just got to figure it out because you cannot, there are no exceptions to the rule on fueling. There are variations to the rule. Somebody could take in 300 calories an hour and run, run fast, 
or do well on 175 calories an hour. Absolutely. There's no exceptions to the rules of not being able to fuel it because you run out of glycogen in about two hours, a little bit under. Yeah. Well, and Alana's here. She wrote about how she's found um, a lot of success with, um, with, with liquid nutrition, like you were talking about, you know, something like scratch labs or fast wind or, or a tailwind, I guess. Tailwind, fast wind yeah. is the same idea. <laughs> yeah. And that's absolutely, fast there's tail. nothing wrong with that. The problem is you have to be able to get in 40 to 60 grams of carbs an hour a lot of- on just fluids. It's really tough. You, it's really tough. That's- you can, you know, you can concentrate some of your drinks, but then we have osmolality. I can't say that word issues which I okay. ended up having at the Ironman. So, you know, you have to be kind of careful because you have to, your body needs to be able to, to absorb all this too. You know, like it's troubleshooting your fuel plan. How do you troubleshoot your fuel plan? If you're bloating, if you're, you know, we could talk about sure. it all day. Sure, sure. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, Courtney's here. And so Courtney, if you want to um, unmute yourself and talk, you are more than, um, we welcome you too, especially because, a question with a lot of layers here, but she says, I'd love to dive into the mental confidence piece when your big goals scare you a little bit, or maybe more than a little bit. So, I mean, if you want to unmute yourself and, and if you don't feel, um, too intimidated to tell us what your goals are, um, that would be great. There she is. Yep. Yes, it sure would be. What I always say is, is that through preparation builds confidence. And so when you're going through your schedule, it's really important to one, stay in the moment, execute each workout like you are to the best of your ability, log it. And every week on a Sunday or Saturday, look back on your week and look at everything you've accomplished. Now, not every run will be successful and that's okay. Um, if, you know, and you don't have to have perfect preparation to have a good race. There's nobody has perfect preparation, it doesn't happen. So as long as you are executing the workouts, your goal time, your BQ time is realistic with your expect, or is, 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 realistic with what your output is on your training. Overall, there's gonna be some misses and that's fine. 80% of your goal pace, if you're able to hit it. Think about that, you're under all that fatigue, under all this heat is all this fitness. And once you taper and you chisel away at that fatigue and hopefully we have good weather for our marathons, it's not 80 degrees, then 
you should be able to hit that goal pace as long as you don't get into your own head about it. My biggest thing is don't overthink it. You know, we, we live in a world of social media. We live in a world of, of, of too much data. And sometimes you need to step away from it and evaluate it from the standpoint of, you know what, I'm feeling good. I'm executing the workouts, doing the best that I can, given my life circumstances or whatever else you guys got going on. And I'm following the plan. I'm eating well. I'm recovering. I'm sleeping. That's all you can do. There's nothing else you can do. Check all the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, check the boxes, check the boxes. And then when you're done, you look back the week of your, of your marathon, you look back and you're like, oh my God, look at all this work I did. That's what I tell my athletes. Look back and look at every, all this work you did, all these great workouts, you know? Okay. Yeah. You missed Wednesday and you ran, you know, you had to walk in because you blew up. Who cares? You got to learn. If you don't, if you don't know what your, if you don't know what your limits are and you don't blow up, then, you know, it, you're not taking enough risks. I always say, if you're going to fight for the victory, either you're going to fall or you're going to win, but either way, fight for that victory, victory, meaning whatever you guys define as your goals. So, you know, you got to dare greatly. If you don't dare greatly, you know, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. So and I, I love it. I love it. Well, and the other thing, I mean, just again, going back and looking over it, I will just, just a small testimonial because I was sitting outside waiting for my sisters this weekend at Starbucks. Um, they were in there and taking forever. And I didn't have my phone, which was on purpose, but I did have my Garmin. And so I was like playing away around with it because I'm so used to fiddling with something, right? When you're like, oh, I've got 10 minutes. I better I better plug in somehow. And um, just looking back at like, you know, there are ways, you know, obviously you can journal it. You can, um, you can add it up on Strava. You can do whatever. But if you start adding up everything that you've done, and I can see like my weekly swim distances for the past however many weeks I wanted to go back. And I was like, oh my God, I swam like, six, seven miles a week sometimes. Like that's a lot for me. And um, I was like, okay, like why, why is there any reason why I can't go execute what I want to execute? There isn't, you know, other than, you know, maybe your head gets in the way, which is a huge problem. And we know that, but Courtney, I mean, you've done the work and yeah. And I guess, Jen, one question I have for you is when you, you know, um, you've brought this up when you guys have been coaching me, like what happens when you see that, like, say you're aiming for 10 minute splits and you see, um, an 1130, um, or you see, uh, you know, something that is just an outlier for no reason. And you're like, Oh God, why did that happen? Like why I felt like I was on top of it. And now I'm running a lot slower. Like how can you mentally reset if you feel like you can physically get back there? Yeah. Don't forget one, one, one or two bad marathon miles does not define the entire race. So you're off by 30 seconds. That's 30 seconds off of this this whole thing. I am kind of a a fan of pace groups if they have them on the marathon. And if that makes you happy and that pace group is led by somebody who knows what the heck they're doing. I do like the pace groups because it will prevent you from going too fast when you're trying to be Q or anything. It doesn't matter. But if you have a specific time goal, try that, try a pace group. I'm kind of a big fan. And when you're running a BQ and these guys are running three thirties or three, whatever your BQ is three forty five or whatever, I mean, they, these are guys that are running two thirties, you know, so they're, they're not going to really mess up on this. They may be off by five or seven seconds a mile, but I am kind of a huge fan of that. Um, and so just re just, I think you need to limit the negative chat, not you, Courtney, but people in general need to limit the negative chatter. 
shit happens. I mean, I can tell you stories to the blue in the face, me laying on the side of the road, <laughs> me shitting myself <laughs> all over. I can tell you stories to the cows come home of trying to dare greatly. So, you know, you either do it or, you know, and you don't, and it's, and it won't be perfect. You have to get in your head. Each mile will not be perfect. You will not tick off eight minute miles the entire time. You will be a 750, then you'll be an 830. And that's okay. As long as you can kind of lock and load, I call it lock and load, lock and load the pace that you want, pay attention to the outliers, control what you can control and let everything else go. You'll execute a good race. You go, Courtney, control what you can control. Um, okay, Jill or Gil next door <clears throat> has a question. Uh, going, let's go back for a quick question to fueling. She said, she says, can I stop fueling at some point? She's gonna her marathon's probably gonna take her four, four hours to four hours and 30 minutes. She says, can I just focus on pace that last hour? Jen? No. <laughs> I knew that was the answer. Not laughing at you, not laughing at the question. First, <laughs> I wanted to just... I'm not laughing at the question, it's I'm good, laughing at how. Great... How simple the answer is, no. The only yeah. caveat is it takes about 20 minutes for like a gel to get into your system, but the fluid is, is pretty darn quick. So you can probably skip the last, you know, 10 minutes, but no, mm -mm, not an hour. Actually, that's when it even becomes even more critical because your body's dying, you know, it's like screaming for something. And the only way to kind of make it happy is to fuel it. So no, I'm sorry. Well, and I mean, and if you get, uh, um, <laughs> I get sick of chewing, but I'll hear your voice. Yeah. I mean, Sarah <laughs> often talks about um, her like kind of special, like secret gel that she often takes in a half marathon at mile 11, right? Where you're like, oh, I only have three and 3.1 left. I should be able to just hammer this out. And that in fact is that jet fuel that, that just keeps yourself topped off well enough. Um, and and it, it's even becomes more important in the marathon, of course. Um, okay, so I see these other questions. I'm gonna go back to one other question about bad runs and then I see your question, Kate, um, and then the other ones in there. Okay, um, uh, Caitlin has another question uh, and you talked about um, bad runs. You're gonna have bad runs, but Caitlin says, you know, how do you mentally overcome a dud of a run for the longest long run? I really wanted that one to be my dress rehearsal, but the heat and the wonky ankle did not cooperate. I've been doing well with negative splits on the shorter runs in the past week and the progression run for mile 17 or for week 17 went well too. Um, you know, she's her longest run was 13.2 um, because of that situation, the heat in her ankle. So she has to make a 13 mile leap from there. Um, so just for reference, she is doing her um, first marathon. She's coming to Chicago or she'll be in Chicago. Her goal is just to finish. She's on the level one plan. Um, so first of all, what, what would you tell Caitlin? Just because that is, that is a big, leap um how would you help her physically and mentally jen so i think the question correct me if i'm wrong dimity the question is um she had a bad run and how to manage that bad run or to go from the yeah, but the, 13 miles to 17. yes because in her bad run was the one that she was looking for the dress rehearsal and i imagine that it was longer it was supposed to be longer than 13.2 but it didn't happen so what okay. what would she, what, what should she do I would just stay on the schedule. It's just one bad run, long run. It's okay. It, it's not, it's not a, I don't want to say it's not a big deal because of course to you and to each athlete, each run that we don't kind of nail or hit is a big deal because we invest our emotion in it, our time, our energy and all that. So I got it, but man, it's so hard to have good long runs. I mean, let's be honest. It's really hard. Yeah. 
in this summer, I mean, I'm in Chicago. So if you're in a cold environment, I, you know, don't mind me if you're living in Alaska, but it's been hotter than Hades. So every yeah. long run has been shit for everybody. It's been slow, miserable, every single long run. And, you know, all I've been doing is trying to manage those expectations saying, listen, this is why we don't have big majors, the marathons or other marathons in August is because you sure. can't run fast in August. You can't. So you have to give yourself some grace. The ankle issue is different. You need to manage the ankle. You need to get strength on that physical therapy, whatever you need to do to manage that. But the running slow and kind of coming apart a little bit and having to stop and regroup, take a number, right? I mean, that's my, <laughs> my entire Power life. Yeah, so it's okay. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm saying. I don't want to minimize yeah, it, but I'm just saying yes, yeah. we can't run fast when it's 80. World records yeah. are not broken when it's 80. It just doesn't, or 90, doesn't happen. So you just kind of have to, and we're not going to hit goal pace when it's like that. So I always tell athletes, you need to understand goal pace and effort, or excuse me, output and efforts and marry that. So if your goal pace is a 10 minute mile and it's 90 degrees, there's no way you're running 10 minute miles. You might be able to run one, but that's it. So you need to run a, an 11 minute mile because your heart rate is just as high at an 11 minute mile when it's 90 than it is at a 10 minute mile when it's 60. So that's, you kind of have to kind of go back and forth with that and not um, hang yourself in your own head about running slow in the heat. Or if you're on a, if you're traveling and you're on a super hilly course, or you're at elevation and you don't live at elevation, there's all these little caveats that play into um, successful runs. Sure, sure. Okay, um, Stephanie really likes the speed segments within the longer runs. What are your thoughts on having a few miles that are speedier than slowing back down and speeding back up again later throughout the marathon? So kind of mimic, having it mimic more of a workout that you guys, you know, maybe I, I know, I don't know which one she's referring to exactly, but maybe it's like three miles race pace and then two miles off and then another three miles race pace, like kind of doing that um, consciously. What do you think about that, Jen? Sure. I mean, if you need to do whatever mentally helps you, if that mentally helps you and you feel good, and those are the executed runs that made you feel the best and the most confident, there's no reason you can't do that. Um, just make sure you stay out of like, in the marathon, no sprinting, no 30 seconds kind of fast, you know, that doesn't work. It won't work long-term. It will probably work sure. until about 13 or 14 miles. And then you, your body glycogen levels will be completely zapped. Cause remember we're trying to manage energy systems and the energy system that's required for a marathon event is different than an energy system that's required for 5k or 10k, you know, different yeah. carbs, different, you know, different things. So you know, as long as you can keep that heart rate out of zone four, sure, you can do that. Sure. Okay. Um, Lorinda has a quad, or I'm sorry, a grade one quad strain, I believe is what she said. I just asked her on Facebook. Yep. Um, so she's got, I think, a significant injury. She says, how do, when and how do I make the decision not to participate in the race due to injury? Is it based on pain? Is it based on a professional's opinion or something else? If she does cautiously proceed, how does she mentally overcome the insecurity of missing the last four weeks of the training program? So, um, yeah, I mean, if you yeah. have, what, and what are I've your gone back there, and forth, yeah, I've gone back and forth with her on Facebook on Q and A or whatever. So I kind of know what's going okay. on with her and giving her advice along the way through this. Uh, Cause I, I was the one who said, you need to see somebody on this. Don't push through it. Um, well, one, you have to, you have to respect either the doctors or physical therapist's opinion. 
if that doctor of PT doesn't think you should run, then that would trump anything that I would say. Um, just because I'm all about, will this injury, if I run a marathon on it, will I do further damage? If the answer is yes, then I would not race. Because at the end of the day, it's one race and there'll be many more. And we want to stay in the sport, stay active. You want to play with your kids. So let's, you know, look at it a holistic health life kind of standpoint. If the, in a, in a, a, a level one quad strain, pretty normal, kind of standard. Um, okay. But, may, but in the back of your head, mentally, it's really hard to get your head around because you know you're injured and you know it hurts. So I would ask the doctor or PT, whoever she thinks is the best source if, can I run this marathon um, sure. and will it cause further damage? And so that I would kind okay. of go that route. Okay, nice, nice. And if she does get the green light, then you got, I mean, it's kind of like the ankle situation with uh, with um, Caitlin, you know, you may, you may have missed a big chunk of training, but you know, you do what you can do with what you have, right? You do, it depends on what your goals are. If your goals are to finish and have a good time, and you know do a marathon yeah yeah just run it you'll be fine if you have specific time goals like courtney and you want to qualify boston then probably should reevaluate if it specifically how much did you miss and you know i'm happy to do that or liz is happy to do that over the q a or tag us on facebook and we can walk you through the specifics you know let me what did you exactly do what have you exactly missed and you know where are we with your fitness and so happy to do that perfect Okay, we're switching gears for a minute to 10K. Kate is doing the 10K. Um, this race, her race is this Sunday and the weather looks nice and cool finally. I feel confident in my preparation and I wanna be smart, especially since I've been running intervals throughout the training. Does it make sense for me to use my heart rate to guide me and hold back for the first 5K? So stay in zone two, she's thinking. Be strong and steady for miles four and five. Maybe head into zone three and then really push for the last one, 1.2 miles and not worry so much about her heart rate or, I mean, talk 10 K strategy. If, if you're racing with a capital R Jen. So Kate, I see that you, is that the Kate that's on here? Yep. No, it's not. Okay. No, I think she's here too. I think. Oh, oh that Kate, Kate, yeah. Barber. Kate, 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 the other Kate. Um, are you racing this or are you there to complete it? Okay. <laughs> I wanted on, to clarify. <laughs> Yep. Okay. Good, 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 good. And that's a great, a great thing because the heart rate will kind of keep you honest for sure. Okay, so that's easy. I want you to make sure you have a long warm up. Okay. The long warm up in a 5K and a 10K is important. And when I say long workout, depending on the heat, if it's 70 or 80 degrees, you only need 10 or 15 minutes. But if it's 30 or 40 or 50, maybe 15 minutes of jogging super light, don't look at your pace or heart rate, doesn't matter, super light, add in a few pickups, four times 10 seconds pickups, make sure you break a sweat, make sure you're kind of ready to go and get over, you know, kind of take a deep breath. I would do that about 30 minutes before the 10K. 20 minutes is fine. Stretch, stay loose. 
uh, very different than marathon uh, prep. And then when the gun goes off, seat yourself properly. And when the gun goes off, I would just take the first two miles under control. Um, and when I say under control, don't let your heart rate get in zone four. I think it's going to run high because of the race and the anxiety, and that's okay. Don't worry about it. It's a 10K. Just for of note, to help you mentally, you can run the entire 10K in, in, in how long would the 10K take you? Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. And the only reason I asked is that you can be in, you can be above that for about 75 minutes. So in zone four, if for, I mean, you can be longer, but for sake of argument, about 75 minutes. So start in that zone two, zone three range for the first two miles. Make sure you're catch your breath, you're comfortable and then go. And then you have all this, you can, the rest of it, you can be in zone three and zone four without any stress. Okay. Nice. You're welcome. Get it, Kate. I'm excited for yeah, you. Yeah, good luck. Where are you going to be? What town? Oh, yes. Yes. My husband works out there. Awesome. Good luck. You're welcome. Good. Awesome. Nothing better than a satisfying training cycle and just going, especially, and then when it comes down, um, the, the temperature comes down and you're able to, to flaunt it. Right. Um, Stephanie's asking, when is it okay to get into zone four, um, during the marathon? Is it ever okay to get into zone four in the marathon, Jen? Uh, yeah. Last 10 K only. Last 10 K. Last 10K 10K. And I will okay. say it's really hard to get into zone four in a marathon because we have cardiac drift. We have, we have lots of problems with output and we get tired. And actually when we get tired, our heart rate decreases and it's a sign of dehydration and basically too tired. So it's really hard to be in zone four in the last 10 K if you're racing it. Um, but last 10 K is okay. Okay. And then Margaret, um, again, is just kind of, you want, you want to talk a little bit more about if she's, again, if she's going out to race, um, and uh, race her half marathon, how long should she plan? Margaret, you want to tell us how long you think your half marathon will take you? Okay. Okay. What was the temperature? What was, yeah, what was the temperature for your run? Mm, perfect, okay, somewhat perfect. Um, well, there's a, can be a lot of reasons your heart rate's in zone four two in training versus it wouldn't be in that necessarily in a race. Have all your runs been, goal pace work been in zone four? Okay. Okay. Dial your goal pace down by 10 or 15 seconds per mile, just to start and see how that does with your heart rate. I will say um, half marathon, right? 
Yeah, 205. Yeah. So I will say the half marathon, you know, like I was telling Kate earlier, you can be in zone four for chunks of that. But in for two hours, probably not the whole thing. So, but you can oscillate between zone two, zone three, zone four, zone, you know, like you can go in and out of that. And that might mean a 10 minute mile and then maybe a 1030. And then you're like, oh, my heart rate's really high. Okay, I'm gonna run a 1040, but then you go down back to a 1015. You can kind of skirt through that as long as your heart rate isn't pegged in zone four from mile one to mile six. That's where you can kind of get into trouble. You wanna flip the picture. So one through six, a little bit more moderate, zone two, zone three, and then you can kind of kind of flip the switch and not stress out. Don't stress out if you see zone four after the halfway point, that's okay. 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 Yeah, nice. Um, okay, Jennifer's running the half marathon on October 3rd before starting this program. She had the beginning of a knee issue that she worked with a PT on, which is abated completely with PT and heart rate training. That is definitely a round of applause there. This last week, which has been the most miles today, my knee started tweaking again in the goal pace work. Um, so, so what should she do and how should she put the next two weeks um, to, to kind of get that under back under control? Would you have send her back to her PT, Coach Jen? Probably. And I don't know if it's the Jennifer Dolan that's on here or not, but um, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. I, Jennifer, are you doing enough strength work to, and all your physical therapy work to kind of mitigate that? <laughs> no, answer the question truthfully. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you did do a little twist there. Let me, I'm here to tell you girls, you can't be jumping off curbs unless you're, <laughs> unless you're 25 years old. You can't do it because that meniscus, that meniscus will tear. Um, I'm not saying you tore your meniscus, Jennifer, because it has to be much more aggressive than that. But anyway, point of, of it is um, to answer your question. If it's just, I don't, if it's just a, you know, it hurts, you can manage it with PT, you can manage it with strength then you're fine. Just go easier or, or leave out the strength work maybe for a week. Sorry, not strength work, speed work for a week and let that calm down and just kind of go into more of a cross training, easy run cycle for the next five, six days. Let it calm down. If it calms down, then proceed normally after that time. If it doesn't calm down, then I'll probably see your PT and get some work done on it. Doesn't mean that you can't do your race or you're going to not be okay. You just need to kind of recheck in with that. It's all your son's fault. Tell him it's, yeah, I hope, I hope he liked the picture anyway, right? <laughs> uh, okay, last question here um, is from Marianne. She, her marathon was canceled. So she's actually headed to a 5K, which probably sounds delicious to most of you marathoners right now. Um, so she's just looking for like a 30 second race strategy. Um, you know, like she can be in zone four or higher the whole time. Um, it's gonna be 60. So she's ready to rip it up on a short course. What do you think, Jen? And this is the best because I can just say to you, go as hard as you can to you throw up and then finish the race. That's it. No. Um, well, that that is true. Except let me let me caveat that before I get fired. The first 800 meters keep in check. After that, all systems go. 
That's really, that's really wow. 5k. I don't care if you're running a 17 minute 5k or an hour 5k. That's pretty much, you can do that. You can do that. Just go have fun with it. Don't think there's so much thinking in a half marathon and in a marathon. Oh, my pace, my heart rate, my eating, my fueling. Am I going too fast? I'm going too slow. Your central governor will not let you not, you know, you're either going to, you'll vomit before anything else happens. So just go hard and have fun. Don't think about it. And I can speak, I can speak candidly about central governor because that I've been there and I have fallen down with my central governor saying no more, you're done. So I know we got to save that for the podcast, Jen. We're saving that for our race report podcast because you and Liz have had some good adventures um, on your past races. And we will talk about those. So we'll, and plus we've been on the, if, if, if we'd been here for half an hour, I would say yes, but. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Off. You don't yeah, want to hear my yeah. sad story. Yeah, we do. We do actually, because it's kind of, it's fun to, um, not fun, but it's interesting and, and probably someone will learn something. So thanks you guys. Thank you, Jen. Um, and I meant to say Liz was on a podcast actually with Sarah. This, so we were very generous in, in letting Sarah take Liz for podcast co-host duties. Otherwise she would have been here today. Um, but I think everyone, I'm, I'm excited to see you all go complete your training cycles as best you can. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a great, great, just enjoy being out there. Do your best yes. to enjoy being out there because, you know, who knows what the next couple months are going to bring. And so we get this opportunity and, um, and soak it all up, right? Yes. Good luck. Have fun. No stress. And try really hard. Try really, really hard not to overthink too much about it. Trust your, trust your preparation, your training plan. And uh, yeah, go out there and have fun. Remember last time this year? Keep that in mind when you race. So have fun. <laughs> exactly. Awesome, you guys. Take care. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks again, Jen. You're welcome.